Dear friends in Christ, the word of God before us this evening comes from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Also, Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of God before us this evening. We ask that the Holy Spirit would bless us as we consider the theme, a battle of repentance. Our midweek series this year is all about battles. Battles that the Lord fights for us in our daily lives. Battles that we remember that the Lord fought in his word. Ways in which the Lord worked through Christians and believers in the past. And most importantly, tracing our steps toward the cross with the greatest battle that Christ fought for us for our redemption. Our series is appropriately titled after the same confession as David when he stood before Goliath, the battle is the Lord's. We're reminded in each of the lessons this season that the Lord is always with us. He's always in control. He fights for us and he's stronger than we are on our own. This evening we consider the battle of repentance. When I think about battles, I'm always amazed at all of the factors that go into the victory behind them. This is especially true when you think about battles that are waged on a global scale. Think of World War II as an example. It's fascinating to consider all of the different variables that went into that conflict, and if just one or two of those things had been different, how our lives today could be drastically different as well. When we think about the idea of a battle, we typically zero in on one thing in particular as most important of the battle. Maybe we think primarily of the conflicts themselves or the soldiers that fight those conflicts. But that's hardly ever the case. There are tons of factors that go into whether the battle is successful or not. In World War II, think about the domestic production factor. The United States had kind of a, a slow start entering the war because they started a couple years after the conflict began. But by the year 1943, it's estimated that the United States was producing over half of all the wartime materials for the Allied forces. What a difference the outcome would have been if that wasn't happening. Or consider the diplomatic factor. What if certain leaders in Europe had taken a stronger stance with Germany at the beginning of the war. What would that have looked like? Maybe the war would have been spared. Maybe it wouldn't have happened. 
Or what if leaders later on in the war, when it got difficult, gave in and settled for a peace treaty rather than fighting it out? What would our world look like today? Or think about the espionage factor. What if the United States and its allies had not deciphered the codes of the transcripts of its enemies? Many people believe that we wouldn't have won the war if that hadn't happened. Or think about the technology factor. What if, like many people predicted at the beginning of the war, it was Germany who unlocked atomic capabilities with weapons rather than the United States? How different the outcome might have been. One always asks the question of what if when it comes to historical things like this, when multiple factors are at play. And it's interesting to step back now and look at the past and think of what could have been different. But there's one singular thought that we're reminded of as we think about the battle of repentance tonight. Battles often seem very simple, but they're not. There's a myriad of things that go into them, and as we think about the battles that the Lord fights for us, we might think of these things in our lives and for our faith as factors of victory. What are the things that go into the success that we have through our Savior Jesus rather than defeat? We think about that this evening in repentance. For one thing, repentance is often despised by the world. Repentance is often looked down upon as outdated and irrelevant for our lives. Repentance is often deemed as unnecessary and even harmful maybe to a person's psychology or state of mind. The world tells us, especially our culture today, that repentance is based on intolerance of others' beliefs. It's based on bigotry and thinking that you're better than others, that we really shouldn't ever talk about sin let alone point it out with one another. But when God speaks about repentance, and in his word, he often speaks about it through the lives of those who have been repentant, of those who have utilized it as the tremendous gift that it is. When God speaks about repentance in his word, he talks about it as an amazing blessing for our lives. In Acts chapter 3, the apostle Peter said in one of his sermons, Repent and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. The gift of repentance allows our souls to be refreshed with the Lord's forgiveness. In Psalm 51, David spoke from firsthand experience exactly how that refreshing worked when he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The Lord wipes our sins away with his power and grace and lifts that heavy burden off of our shoulders so we no longer have to carry it in our lives. Even Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 15, he told his disciples, I tell you, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. The first factor that we see about repentance in the battle that the Lord wages for us is that it is not a, an obligation or an outdated custom, but it is a blessing and gift 
from the Lord. And the Lord wants us to see repentance in such a light and to use it in our lives based on the works and merits of our Savior Jesus. The way that God describes it in his word, it's almost like repentance is sort of like a, a special power that the Lord gives to the believer. An amazing gift that removes the burdens of sin, guilt, and shame. You know, the same culture that we live in that talks about repentance as an intolerant, bigoted, outdated thing wrestles more than ever with guilt and shame, with those burdens on people's shoulders and, and how to let go of them, how to release ourselves from the grip of them. God has given us the timeless gift and blessing to answer that very problem. Repentance based on our Savior Jesus. Why would anyone ever despise or look down upon such a blessing? Well, in answering that question, we come to the second factor that we see about repentance. The second factor is that it's not about ourselves. It's about Jesus. The scene depicted in our parable this evening is not unlike the mindset of our culture today. The Pharisee had no need for the gift of repentance because he was more than content to trust in his own merit and worthiness. Because of his overconfidence in himself, he literally looked down upon the tax collector. The tax collector whose only action was to turn and plead for the mercy of God. When you talk about the difference between despising and valuing the gift of repentance, we see right here where that difference is found. Looking to ourselves or looking to Jesus. True intolerance, true bigotry, true irrelevant belief is not found in calling out sin. It's found in the prideful human heart that wants to exalt myself over others. Repentance drives us to despair of our pride and to turn only to the grace of our Savior, Jesus. Yet, even in that moment, even with that treasure in our hearts, we still need the gift of repentance. That's part of the lesson that Jesus gives us in this parable is that it really doesn't matter who you are. We all need repentance. You know, sometimes the most dangerous thing to our faith is, is not what the world says out there, not what the unbelieving part of our culture wants to say about God or his word. Sometimes the most dangerous thing to us are the ways that even our well-intentioned Christian efforts can get in the way of our faith. The devil's more than happy to shelter you from the world if he can exalt that pride in your heart and make you turn to yourself, even under the guise of faith and God's word as a source of trust. This is why, whether Christian or non-Christian, we all need repentance. Consider the parable again. How well do you apply it to your life? I think most of us, as lifelong Christians or Christians for some time, are familiar with this parable. We know the lesson that Jesus teaches through it. We know it's better to be like the tax collector than to be like the Pharisee. 
even people who aren't Christians know that it's better not to be arrogant and self-centered. But how well do we apply it to our lives? How easy it is, even with that knowledge of what Jesus is teaching, even trusting in him by faith, how easy it is to still let my pride be on the lookout in my life for the people that are like tax collectors to me. How easy it is, even with the terms of my faith, to despise others as lesser than me. To say that prayer in the back of my mind, God, I thank you that I'm not like that person. Sometimes the most dangerous place for us is the way that Satan twists and manipulates even the blessings that God has given us in our faith to push us to look at ourselves. We all need repentance, and we need it all the time. Repentance is not a stepping stone to be used for a little bit in our lives until we progress to holier living. Some Christians look at it that way. Sometimes we're tempted to look at it that way. Repentance is something we need each day of our lives because repentance drives us to despair of our pride and to look only to the mercy of our Savior Jesus. You know, if we bring it back to the simplest element of repentance, what the word itself means is it's just a change. A change from unbelief to faith. A change from sin to forgiveness. How desperately each day we need our hearts to be changed as the tax collectors was. And the Lord leads us to see in his word that that only comes through Jesus. And here we see the greatest factor of victory. Repentance is all about what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Repentance is about the battle that he fought and won. The battle that we could not even step up to wage. The battle that keeps us in the shackles and bondage of our sins and the weight of the law. Jesus willingly took our place, stepped into the punishment that we earned, and won the battle for us. That's why we can sit here tonight and talk about why repentance works, why it truly is an amazing blessing and gift that God gives to us. That's why we can know, even through the midst of the Lenten season of humility and sorrow, that a victory awaits at the end. Jesus fought the battle. Jesus won. That theme of victory through Jesus on the cross comes out more in this parable than you might think. The Pharisee had his words of despair and looking down upon the tax collector. And the tax collector's one statement is the memorable thought of the parable, God be merciful to me, a sinner. You might not know that the more literal way to interpret what the tax collector said is, God atone for me, a sinner. The word used here for mercy in the parable is the very word for atonement going back to the Old Testament and all the sacrifices that were made pointing ahead to Jesus on the cross. 
the word atonement brings to mind for us the fact that Jesus made the best payment for our sins in the full way possible. He brought us back to be at one with our Heavenly Father. What a wonderful thought to remember in connection with repentance in these simple words from the tax collector. God, atone for me, a sinner. And the beauty of God's word is that it continues to point us back to the fulfillment of that very prayer that Jesus went to the cross and paid it all for us. Hebrews chapter 2 tells us, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. Every battle comes with its own factors of victory. Things that could go one way or the other to determine success or failure. In this parable tonight, the Lord reminds us of the factors of victory that he achieved for us in the battle of repentance. May the Lord strengthen you this Lenten season as you remember the passion, suffering, and death of your Savior Jesus Christ and what it means for your faith. And may he lead you back every day to that amazing gift of repentance. Amen. Please rise. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.